Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from my home here in Key Largo. How are you? I was going to start out by saying, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Not the cocktail, but we're going to talk about the cocktail, but about that old wives tale or whatever the spook story you tell kids that say bloody mary in the in the mirror and you see a picture of a bloody face you know that's psychological suggestion it's almost like commercialism run rampant meaning you're using the power of suggestion to convince someone that something's going to happen that's good. It's gonna. It's gonna just psych you out so much that you're just afraid when you start saying the Bloody Mary, especially with kids. I mean, the power of suggesting them was incredible. I remember, and I'm not saying I was a stupid kid, and I'm not calling kids stupid. So get. I don't want to trigger you. Okay, we're going to talk about that a little later too. But what I'm saying is, kids have a limited amount of information about the world. Some have a little more, some have a little less understanding about how things work. Just think about some of the the silly things you say. Well, the thing, silly things you said or thought when you were a child. I once, I don't know how I got to uh, believe this one thing, and I don't know if a friend told me this, but that if you took a used popsicle stick after you use your used popsicle stick and you stirred it around in water, it would become a popsicle again. I think I was six or seven going, yeah, seven, seven years old when I had an inkling that may be a thing. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's weird. It's weird, and you can see how some people get by into crazy conspiracy theories. And, you know, sometimes you hear things that are pretty weird that are the powers that be that they do. And they get these ideas, you know, uh, intelligence organizations and all this stuff get these crazy ideas. But they never really never get to implement them on a large scale, do they? We got these big, huge... I I talked about on previous episodes about conspiracy theories and stuff like that. But the power of suggestion, that's because the power of suggestion is so powerful in humans. Whenever you say... I mean, people that talk about... There's a pizza, a big pizza chain, and I won't say who they are, but their byline is... I'm going to paraphrase it, that the higher quality of ingredients make a higher quality pizza, right? Now, here, I I don't get in trouble for that. I believe that, you know, that if that may be the case, using really good ingredients, make a really good pizza. That's a better way to paraphrase it, probably. Really good ingredients, really good pizza. I know there's a, I don't want to say what they say, but in actuality, and this is my opinion only. I understand that. Uh, it's a shitty pizza. It is a very shitty pizza. It is one of the shittiest pizzas I ever tasted. But then again, I don't like pineapple. 
I I think pizzas. I work within a, a you know, there's I like the 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 thin crust New York style pizza. I like the thick crust Chicago style pizza. I like I think people do certain pizzas right. Sicilian style pizza, Stromboli's, all that stuff. But you keep on saying that stuff. I don't believe it. If I taste it and it doesn't taste like that, I'll tell you, the emperor has no clothes, right? One of the, like that story about the emperor buying, you know, the, trying to get the greatest outfit. And then all these tailors try out. And this tailor says, I made this one. You're, you're the only one able to see it. And uh, I, I don't even know, though. I don't even know the exact same story. But what it ha- happens is the emperor goes out naked walks down the street. I think they made it into a uh, Disney movie because I was a grown-up when it came out. I never watched it. But I did know the story. It was a story prior to that. It wasn't a Disney story. It was it was one of those Grimm's fairy tales or some one of these fairy tales. But I'm getting off the subject. Just saying something's great. Like the best Bloody Mary. You ever hear people say, they got the best, best Bloody Mary, Right? And I, I don't know if it's the nature of the way I view multiple ingredient drinks. I mean, obviously, a martini should be dead on. People, martini drinkers are in a world all their own. They drink a liquor almost straight with a splash of vermouth. Once again, like I said, I've never had a martini sent back because it had no vermouth, because a lot of times I don't even put the vermouth in. No one notices it. It's just something for them to say. It is just something for people to say, an extra dry martini, and the very splashiest of, and no one ever says, well, I don't taste the vermouth. And using another fairy tale, it's a princess and a pea thing. Like, you know, you get 21 mattresses in a, and the princess could tell that if there's a pee underneath it. You could probably tell if someone peed in it, because that smell would waft around, but you wouldn't be able to tell if there's a pee in it. Sorry, just not one of those things. So when it comes to Bloody Marys, okay, now, this is one of the bartender's instructions that I'm going to do. A Bloody Mary starts out with tomato juice, let's say just tomato juice and vodka. Now, that's vodka and tomato juice. Now, what makes it a Bloody Mary is a little heat, a little pepper, a little celery salt, a little lemon, a little Worcestershire, a little, uh, I did say black pepper, but also you can put in uh, some, the more heat would be Tabasco, Cholula, Crystal, all different type stuff. Now, and uh, did I say Worcestershire, lemon, Celery salt. I'm probably missing something in there. I sometimes I throw in A1, Heinz 57. I think now you're getting the thing. Some people make it base, the base is Clamato. You go to some places, they got pre made Bloody Mary mix and come in, it's already spiced stuff and stuff like that. And I say, I know people like that stuff, but I have a feeling. Know this. When people are in the heat of making Bloody Mary mix, they're not measuring out. Unless it's a, 
you know, one of those picayune places everyone was at. Bloody Marys, like so many things like casseroles, rum punches. Uh, they have a variance of taste from day to day. And not as an insult, but they're like snowflakes or like people. Everyone's different. And from day to day, our tastes can vary depending on what we had eaten before, how we're feeling. Our taste buds are either more awake or more sedate. I don't know if that's the exact terminology, but we taste things differently from day to day, depending on how our body is. I'm not saying to go completely bonkers on your Bloody Mary mix, but you've got, oh, horseradish, real horseradish. That's great in there. So some people, you know, you can make it really thick. You know, because after a while, if you make a Bloody Mary mix, when you put it on ice and stuff like that, it's going to thin out anyway. You can make it really thick. You can make it a little thin. You can make it super spicy, super hot. Or not. You can make it mild. It's all according to taste. I always thought you should like back up on some of the things that people have the most problem with, like salt. People, Some people have a problem with salt. So you back off on the salt. Let them put the salt in. Heat. If you like, you want a spicy Bloody Mary, you know what's right in front of you? Tabasco sauce. Make it as spicy as you want. Drink the whole goddamn bottle if you want. Drink the bottle and then stick a lighter up your ass if you really want to burn yourself. And I, you know, that sounds like I'm I'm saying you have the choice to make it hotter in most places. And they have Bloody Mary bars and stuff like that where people can prepare and put all their junk on it because they want to pretend to be the bartender. You know, it's funny, as a bartender, people, for like five, ten minutes, I've noticed that, people want to be bartenders. They just want to do it, but only for five, ten minutes. Because if you have to take out the trash, reload the ice, melt the ice if you break glass into it, make all the fucking drinks, drive, you know, clean the glasses and stuff like that, they're usually done in about 10 minutes. They're usually done in about 10 minutes. So, when it comes to making them, you know, you can make your own Bloody Mary and stuff like that. If I went to a place, you know, I don't drink now, but I can, I could taste a good Bloody Mary mix. It's made, Bloody Mary's made, so you really don't taste the vodka. A lot of times you only taste the vodka when you're drinking vodka, vodka martinis and things like that. You, you could taste that there's vodka in something perhaps. But, but the way they filter it nowadays is kind of mild. So you can start out with a base. My dad suggested is a spicy V8. V8 was a good one to use as a base. V8 is... Uh, a mixture. It's a byproduct of the soup making process by Campbell's. Well, I mean, they take all that stuff and they make a juice out of it. It actually works out pretty good. You know, they use it. They're they're using a lot of their product, right? They're they're I guess they're being efficient using it up. So the the bloody mary, and then you have the garnish, and. You've, I think it was years ago when I talked about the garnishes. Now, you could do lemon, lime, olives, 
And then you can go crazy. People stick chickens, lobster tails, shrimp, hamburg cheeseburgers. I mean, you can put anything you want. There's world record Guinness things where they put it. They put a whole turkey dinner on a five gallon margar um, five gallon Bloody Mary uh, glass. Yeah, who 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 the fuck's going to eat that? And how are you going to enjoy that? I'm sorry for all the f notes. I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm dropping those F-bombs all the time. I guess it's like a Bloody Mary. This show's like a Bloody Mary because it's different every day. I Hopefully it's different. People say, no, Jim, it's not different. You're just bitching. That's not exactly true. Well, so with the Bloody Mary, so I, I mentioned the bases and stuff like that. I mentioned that you, where you can start from. You got the tomato juice or you have Clamato, or you have V8, or any type tomato-based drink. Or you, I mean, if you're really crazy, you can make your own tomato juice. And you put those other ingredients in, like I said, and, and people say, well, how much, Jim? Well, you know what? With celery, salt, pepper, and the heat, when I'm talking about the heat, I'm talking about Tabasco, Cholula, Crystal, whatever you use. I would suggest to go sparing. And if you want to make it, Give it the option. Leave the, leave the hot sauces off to the side. You know, you need your Worcestershire, celery salt, I said, lemon, Worcestershire, horseradish. You mix it all up. You can blend it in a blender. Try not to do that as much. It's best to kind of like shake it up and make it and shake it each time. Don't make too much because you don't want it sitting around too long. Because once you open up a, a juice that's sealed... And you start mixing it up, you reduce the shelf life already. So you can be cognizant of that, cognizant of that. You know, I'd be reluctant to make a month's work worth of Bloody Mary mix. Do a week, week's worth. And then make sure you have backup in case you have a lot of them. You make a good Bloody Mary, people know it, and they'll come for it. We make a we make a decent Bloody Mary, and we make a good we make a good Bloody Mary. We make it from Clamato. So, but from there, once you go to the garnish, as you can see what I said, there's a lot of variance going because obviously you could put different vodkas in it. I wouldn't go with any of the flavored vodkas unless you're going with like a jalapeno or, you know, pepper vodka or spicy vodka. Or maybe perhaps, uh, you know, stay away from the sweet ones, the ones that have, you know, I would. Some people might suggest, you know, I use a lemon. Okay, great. Use a lemon, lemon uh, citron vodka. If you want to switch it up, but once you spice that up, if you got a decent vodka that's been filtered three times, really doesn't matter what you have in it. People say, "I want a, a goose. I want a goose. I want a goose. I want a, I want a kettle one. I want a Pravda. Whatever it is." I, uh, you know how people say, if I drink this, I don't get a headache. Well, you know, with really good vodka, people are pouring it lighter. That may be one of the reasons. The cheaper vodka, people are pouring it heavier. And you may be just getting more of a headache because you drink more when you drink regular vodka because bartenders have a tendency to be a little loose with dispensing the liquid. Okay, now's the time of the show. That's all I have to say about Bloody Marys. I want to talk about... 
Uh, Key Largo Chocolates are a sponsor of this show. It's run by the Peterson family. Key Largo Chocolate is a favorite destination for vacationers and locals before, during, and after dinner. Okay? What, what's, you know, for the chocolates, they're, they're chocolatiers. They have hot I mean, fudge, truffles, cookies. They have key lime pie, frozen key lime pie bar. And they have 36 flavors of small batch ice creams and sorbets at both their locations in Key Largo and Isle Morada. The owners, Rich and Brana, are very unique and they're very customer-oriented. They're great with their employees. I think you'll be happy if you stop by there. But if you, you're not in the area, what I would suggest is go to their website, www.keylargochocolates.com. Check them out. See some of the products that they have. And they can ship them. If you want to get a taste of the keys, that's a great way to do it. Go to www.keylargochocolates. And if you're down here, check them out at Key Largo or Almorada. Okay, back to the show. I want to talk about triggers. Triggers. Now, what a trigger is, is some subject or topic. <clears throat> Excuse me one moment. Subject or topic that sparks a real deep emotional response from people. And as a bartender, I've seen it. I've seen it. And I'm, I've seen it unbeknownst to me because we're kind of irreverent. Most bartenders are irreverent. You don't see too many bartenders that are super, super rever- reverential or dyed in wood. I mean, otherwise, it's hard for them to stay a bartender. If you got, you know, some guy, you know, they could be, you could be bartending at a neo-Nazi style bar and probably you do have hard and fast, horrible views. But most bartenders have more of a flexible attitude, even more flexible than my attitude. But you know, when you've hit a subject, that is a sore subject in someone. You know, they always say the three things you don't talk about are politics, religion, and what's the other one? Sex. Sex, politics, and religion. Or it's probably missing. I'm, I'm probably missing one. But I've seen people, they, they, some people bring their triggers and, and stay, they, they egg you on to bring on their triggers. Especially recently with politics. I really don't know a time since I've been, gosh, since the 80s, where people would discuss politics in bars and just say it. And just say things, well, you know, so-and-so Biden, so-and-so Trump, so-and-so this. And unless they're, I guess now, unless you're trying to solicit a response, which I think they are, it's kind of foolhardy to say say those things. When people get all upset, it's funny. The people that talk about joking about being woke. I heard that's 
I don't hear it as much down here as possible, but sometimes you do. It's not the people that are telling people not to refer to a woman as a girl or say anything derogatory about it. It's, it's them saying something derogatory about a different group, about gays, about different um, <clears throat> ethnic groups, immigrants, uh, teachers, football, NFL. Oh, my God. When a couple, you know, football players started kneeling to show a protest, people just flipped out. Just flipped out that they're not going to watch football. <clears throat> Well, they, that protest was to elicit a response. And the response you're giving is what they're hoping to have, to provoke a discussion. That's what protests do, right? So when people do those crazy protests, they're trying to elicit a response or a pushback. In a bar area, you don't necessarily want that. I don't want arguments. I don't want any... You never know where it's going to go. That's my problem with it. It's nice to have a discussion. But how many times do people actually have a discussion? They're usually talking over each other. They don't wait for a response. They don't look each other in the eye when they get really angry. I mean, if you really want to have a discussion with someone, you'd go and make your thesis statement. Right? I believe, you know, like if you go and say, I'm not saying this, this isn't about myself, I'm, I'm, I'm just using an example. When you say, I believe that you should make sure you go to the bathroom under the gender you were born under or born as, right? And you go and say that, blah, blah, blah. And the opposition would say, well, bathroom's a bathroom, right? Well, and the opposition would say, probably something stronger if you were strongly opposed, right? If you're strongly opposed, you're going to say, no, you go to the one that you identify as. Now, my new thing to say with people when they get in these arguments, I probably say, sit really in the fence. I say, well, we got smaller bathrooms. They're single, single seat anyway. And we stipulate one as uh, a women's room and one as a men's room just for, because of the habit. But other than that, once you go in there, and when you go in there, there's most likely not, very rarely do two people go. The men's room is the only one with the urinal and the toilet, but even then, two guys don't want to be in there at the same time because they're right next to each other. We're a smaller place. So when you go in the door and you lock it, it becomes, a it's just a bathroom. And people say, well, what do you identify as? Well, I identify as a person has to use the bathroom. And go in the bathroom and lock the door. And that happens a lot. I've been to Lilith Fair. I told the story many a times. When I took my niece to Lilith Fair, there was a woman in comfortable shoes. I'm not assuming what her, you know, her thing. But she did tell me that her girlfriend was inside the bathroom, the men's room. And was the only men's room that wasn't converted to a ladies room in the whole venue. It was a low affair outside of Baltimore, in between Baltimore and Washington. And I said, well, she's not using the whole bathroom, which has to have at least 20 stalls and 20 urinals. So 
I'm going in there. You're not stopping me. You can't just take it for one. That's, you know, you could guard the stall. You should have went into him and guarded the stall. Right? So, but at that point, I go, I understand the sentiment. You want, you don't want to wait to use the bathroom, but you can't prevent someone else from going to the bathroom. And there's compromise there. But, I mean, rarely do people listen to each other's point of view and say, well, I'd like to, you know, the person that says they want the same gender. I don't want my kid to come in to a ladies' room and see a guy's junk. Well, it should be behind a stall anyway. You shouldn't even see that. And they say, well, I'm concerned about molestation. That's a different thing. That's a different thing. If you're concerned about molestation, you should go in there with your, your child. Should always go in there with a child anyway, if you're concerned about that. But, and then the other person says, "Well, listen, no, they go in the bathroom. They're just using the stall. They're using the stall, sitting down, taking care of business. Get up, they wash their hands, and they go. That's the interaction. Now, people rarely get a chance to say those two things to each other, because they usually start arguing, throwing down, you know, insults. You know." Um, so anything, when, when people get triggered, it triggers an emotional response and they have a hard time being logical and they have a hard time being receptive to a discussion, receptive to discussion. And I see it myself. I sit, I sit. I stand, I'm at the bar, I can hear someone right in front of me talking about something that's near and dear to my heart. And they have this horrible opinion. They're just talking about it. And then when they start broadcasting it to the whole bar, I'm going, listen, hold on a second. The person with you can decide to have a discussion with you, but you're not having a discussion with the whole bar. Please. Stop. And, and sometimes I have to say when someone is, has a, holds an opinion that I hold, and say, listen, I don't care who agrees with you. There's people that don't. You, you got to keep it down. We can't have people listen to this. Because already you have alcohol. And with alcohol you lose in, inhibitions. And people don't have that kind of, what do you call it, self-control that you need to have a discussion. For God's sakes, if you look at the presidential debates, there's usually one guy always interrupting the other. How can you have how can you have a discussion? People people do that all the time. They don't they interrupt each other. Like I'm interrupting right now, I guess. Boy, I I just don't see the point that Usually no really great points or discussions are had or resolved when you get into one of those emotional debates. And that's it gets emotional once someone's triggered. And if you see seem deeply emotional about it and someone comes in and it looks like they had a couple of drinks and stuff like that and they go and say something, you're not going to be able to convince them of anything. You very, very rarely are you going to be moving the yardstick of their perception. And their strongly held beliefs. While you're in a bar. 
you know, sort of religion, politics, sports. I had a person get very angry at me when he found out I was a Philadelphia fan. And he was a Cowboys fan. And he went back, how many years did he go back? He went back 30 years. <clears throat> 30 years in his resentment to Michael Irvin. And uh, when he got booed, leaving the field after he was seriously injured on the field. He was a Cowboy player. And all the Eagles fans, all well, a lot of Eagles fans, or a substantial amount of fans were cheering. I didn't like that. Do I want to be painted with that brush? No. But I didn't stop loving the Eagles because, the, you know, a couple thousand fans decided to be assholes. That's a trigger when you get the, the and they, the guy got upset, and progressively got more upset, more upset. And I'm like, come on, are you upset because they're doing so well? And that got him even worse. And I broke my own rule. I engaged someone that was triggered by the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, there's not much you can do about it. I did come back when the guy was, you know, once the guy calmed down, I said, listen, you know, it doesn't make sense to be angry at an incident to happen. Not necessarily all the fans, and a lot of people were ashamed about it because afterwards, I think they put, uh, we put courtrooms in the, in the football stadium. Yeah, there was a full-time judge in a jail in Veterans Stadium at the end of its uh, tenure in Philadelphia. Veterans Stadium is no longer there, but they had put a, a, a little jail and a, court, a working courtroom. So when people acted up, the fans were, Philadelphia fans are very, they decided, and that solved that trigger thing. And say people, you know, people just freaking out and being out. I don't know if that's exact metaphor to that, but I'm just saying things change. So using historical times about things happening, yes, there are historical injustices and things like that that have occurred. And we ignore, we acknowledge it as historical. Right? Like World War II. The Germans did some bad things in World War II. Really, really, really bad things. But do we not talk to Germans today? Yes, we talk to Germans. So why can't you talk to an Eagles fan? Right? So that's one thing. You know, if you're using historical things. Well, this happened then. And if it's not the person that was involved, there's no direct line other than they happen to have the same nationality or the same fan base or the same, you know. So I, I would suggest people to avoid the triggers. And once you've seen you hit a trigger and you go, you can always say to someone, you know, clearly you have strong feelings about it. And I don't think this is the venue for it. I was using a lighthearted comment about it. And obviously you're not. You know, I, I didn't mean to say that. You know, you could say something like, I didn't make uh, a joke about Planned Parenthood. I didn't know you, you, you were that strong pro-life or pro-choice or pro-anything. So, yeah. Don't, don't avoid triggers once you see someone's 
getting heated up. You know your regular. You know your regulars. You don't know the people that come in here. So, you know, the rule of thumb is to stay away from as many hot button issues as possible, unless you're the kind of place that does it anyway. My local, my local bar in Philadelphia used to say, you know, very provocative things, and I used to take the opposite views, uh, you know, being the devil's advocate. But we did that. It was a small neighborhood place. They knew everyone. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to thank you for listening. This is uh, a post triple six episode, and I'm still here to celebrate after Halloween. And uh, I'll be back again tomorrow. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful day. Bye.